From the PSIA ASI studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to First Chair, and we are chatting this evening with Brenna Kelleher. Brenna, it is really great to chat with you. I can't believe how long it's been. It's been a while. We had we were on a roll there for a bit, George, with some podcasts coming out left, right, center. But I think I think it's been a couple years now. Let's get that roll back. Okay, let's do it. Now, Brennan, we've been talking with uh, a lot of the team members about what they've been doing over the summer. And you're doing something that I think is really incredible. One, you're just going gangbusters on real estate up there in Bozeman. Um, But you're looking at a pretty cool project that I'd love to chat with you about. Yeah, no problem. Um, But... I mean, let's just get into it. How's that sound? <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love, first of all, though, I mean, tell us a little bit about the real estate market in the Bozeman Big Sky area, and uh, we can kind of build from there. So the Bozeman Big Sky area has um, been basically put on the map in the past 10 years. In the past five years, it's gone gangbusters, meaning getting a home and winning a contract and being able to pay to live in the home that you're in has become more and more challenging because the jobs haven't started to match the pay structures. You have a lot of people from out of state buying inside the state. You have a resort area, a university town, and then you have all these supplies and amenities that need to happen. But the people who are the supply chain and the amenities and the caregivers, they don't have any place to live, right? Ski instructors, any any type of Yellowstone Park guide, any healthcare person, bartender, bike mechanic, I mean, you name it, car mechanic, people can't find places to live here because not only has the housing market gone up as far as the price to purchase a home, but rent values we've never seen here are coming in. And I don't want to be controversial or anything, but at the same time, you know, it's tough because as a local, and I know we've talked about this uh, with Aspen before as well, but you live there, you work there, you you raise a family or try to raise a family in an area, and all of a sudden these changes come about, and you have people coming in who are buying houses that maybe they live there a couple of months out of the year, or they come in the summer and come back for a couple of weeks in the winter, and that property's gone and the the value is is up so high that as kind of a a local who's just trying to make a living you can't afford anything yeah it's definitely it's definitely something that's um well it's it's interesting because you can't tell people not to move to a place everyone Everyone came from somewhere, right? And it's not fair. The reason people live here is because, and and it, this is not just happening in Bozeman and Big Sky, it's happening to a lot of resort or outdoor communities, whether it be beach town, any recreational community, because people can... They don't have to be in an office as much. They don't. They don't have to commute as much. It's just COVID has kind of like recreated the structure of what uh, your day-to-day work looks like. And you can't tell people not to move places. That's ridiculous. 
right? You can't tell people to go capitalize on their land if they're a farmer or rancher and sell it to a developer. You know, like everything, everything is revolves around money and what that per, what, what that area supplies, right? Yeah. But the area also has to supply functional housing for people. And that's the biggest thing we run into is finding ski instructors lodging, finding bartenders lodging, and not just lodging, but lodging that it helps create a community rather than a continually transient community, right? And by that, yeah, the continually transient community can be vacationers who own the home and come in for six weeks out of the year, like you talked about, or it can also be the worker that comes in and the area has created workforce housing that's more dormitory style. And while workers might be very excited for that, it, it definitely plays a role in how people can learn to live as a community because there's less investment in the community. They're there for a short period of time. There's no investment in the property. There's no investment in the surroundings. It's I'm there to make this money. And then I go the next six months somewhere else. Now you are in the real estate market and I'm assuming these housing prices are great for you as a real estate person. Um, they are and they aren't because it's really hard to tell a first time home buyer they can't purchase a home because they can't afford it. Um, and it's really hard to tell someone we can't look at that home, even though it's in your price range, you're going to have to bid 50,000 over to get it. We need to look at something less than what your price range was stated because that's how you have to go after it. Those are really painful and sad conversations to have with people. Um, I don't try to make them painful or sad by any means. I try to make them, you know, so it's less of a blow and less scary for them to comprehend and make it more like, well, if, if we can't find this, let's let's think a little bit more laterally and, uh, and find a different solution for what you need. Um, but at the same time, you're going up against other agents that there might be six bids on a home, right? So you have to get creative with contract writing and all these other things. And that's where you have to really protect your buyers. Really, really protect them because they get in, some people get in over their heads and they don't really know, but you just have to like lay it out on the table and be like, these are your options. This is what you can do. Um, so high prices. Yes. Do I sell second homes? Heck yeah. I'm going to sell the crap out of vacation homes because that's my job and someone's going to be doing it. So I grew up here. Why shouldn't I get the money? Right. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, a lot of people give me a hassle for that, but I'm like, sorry, if I can help educate people on how to be a better local in this area, I'm going to do it. And I will sell them that home because someone who's not from here, who came here from a very wealthy family who works for a very wealthy company is probably going to sell them that home. And it all just goes back into their pockets and it's a cycle that never ends, right? 
Now, Brenna, you made me think of of, uh, winter and, you know, we didn't want to get into skiing too much on this one. But, you know, you've got to be realistically frank with people. Hey, Brenna, you know, I want to go to the top of Big Sky and ski the hardest run you've got. Well, George, you're not ready for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how real estate goes. But I feel like sometimes it's a bit more emotional. With, it's especially when you get first-time home buyers. Yeah. Uh, even people looking for their their paradise. You know, everyone's looking for their oasis. And what is it you're doing now that could maybe be kind of a shining light for these first-time home buyers? So a couple years ago, well, yeah, yeah, a couple years ago, right when COVID hit, <clears throat> I was a little bit stressed about my job. Jobs, plural, right? Ski instructors always have like eight jobs. Um, and, you know, you kind of go, well, what, what's, what's the world going to look like here in the next few years? And one of the things I thought a lot about is housing and housing in the community and how it works and what makes a person more invested in a community and what actually forms a community? Like, how, how do you define community, right? Um, and so I was talking with one of my really good friends, and I he said, hey, I've got, I've got a guy that is, um, he is interested in buying some trailer parks in the Bozeman area. And I was like, oh, man, I no idea who to talk to. And I was like, I had a few ideas. I talked to some of the owners. I mean, it was like, hang up. Don't even try and contact me. So I talked to this guy and he said, you know, I'd really be interested in finding some land where we can build a manufactured housing community. And I was like, hmm. all right, what, what does this look like? And he said, well, I need this price per acre. I need this type of land. If you can find a place where it has community hookups, that's ideal and um, has to be convenient for people. It can't really be in the middle of nowhere. I said, okay, um, you and everyone else wants this, (laughs) which really is the truth. Like, I can't tell you how many people are asking me to find this type of land. It's very, very challenging to find. And so I happened to find him this uh, 40-acre and 50-acre parcel two separate parcels and we put a bid on them we got them we were under contract for about a year and a half um doing our due diligence which is a long time and within that year and a half prices just kept spiking 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 and spiking and we were so lucky we felt so lucky that we were under contract at this price and the seller tried to pull a fast one and get out of the deal and we, were, we managed to, to save it, but um, having compiled all that, he, you know, we had this, we finally had this conversation of, well, what, what is this community going to look like? What's important with a community? What's important to people and living? And I said, well, in the past, because a manufactured housing community looks a lot like what a trailer park would be called. But you want to move away from that term because people associate a negative 
thing with trailer parks, right? Even though, like, I grew up in a trailer for the first eight years of my life, and my grandma lived in a trailer her whole life. And so when you start to talk to people, particularly in America, there's a lot of people who they spent formidable years in a single wide or a double wide. And that was how it became affordable. That was affordable for them to live in. So we put together an engineer team and basically a huge development team. The end product is this. 270 homes that will start at the $250,000 range, anywhere from a two-bedroom to a four-bedroom. They will not own the land, so they will. it'll still be structured as a uh, trailer park style where the house sits on a foundation. They can pay for specific upgrades. It's not, not every home is going to look the same. And you can choose the, between the two and the four bedroom, which are prices we haven't seen in this area for over five to eight years, I'd say. Wow. Yep. So one of the things we really honed in on was what is the Bozeman Big Sky community? And then how do we create housing, very dense housing in a small place where people get to feel a part of the community and then feel invested, right? And I said, well, there's a few things. Most people don't live their house very long, so they don't care if it's smaller, but they really want a garage, right? Like, you need a garage to put your stuff in because this is a recreational community. You're going to need at least few parking spots. Um, We're... um, we're still in the throes of um, what the actual landscaping is going to be like, but we're we're likely going to go for a pretty um, eco-friendly landscape. So where it won't be using as much water because that's, again, something that people have to pay for and it's expensive, right? So um, we're doing some passive solar. The homes have some passive solar so that they can stay warm and cool because it can get quite hot here in the summer. And um, there will be a community center with some bike uh, repair stations. There will be a pickleball court. There won't be any pool because pools are just very expensive to maintain but there'll be like a place where people can come and set up birthday parties or have a block party or something like that and then there's going to be a trail system throughout the community so people can walk their dogs or go for a run and then there's also going to be a dog park and a kids park Um, and then with some of the areas that we needed to leave open for the fire department we thought we would put some community gardens in so if people wanted to lease a space for a community garden then they can lease a space and grow have their own garden so there were it was a huge thought process of what what does someone want out of a home what does someone want out of a community and then how can we keep this affordable and what has been the response of the community? 
Well, <laughs> just, I think, like, four days ago, it got approved, and it was released on the news. And I actually, I, I haven't, I watched the news clip, but I haven't, um, the best way to figure out what people are thinking in a community is read Facebook comments, right? <laughs> Anything that they comment on, on an article, it's like, wow, this is where you're really getting the, the people who generally aren't going to say anything, you know, when they're not at their computer, but at least you can get an idea what it's, what it's going for. But so far, like we went to the community planning meeting and the guy, the, um, zoning guy was like, God, I lived in a trailer. I don't even know the last time we had a, one of these developments come up. And the thing that people really need to keep in mind is that manufactured housing has come a long way from a single wide and a double yeah. wide. They're, they can go up faster, they're more efficient. And honestly, most of the people buying four and five million to $8 million to $10 million homes in Big Sky, they're buying manufactured homes. So it's kind of ironic, right? <laughs> Very. <laughs> but um, either way, it's a it's an ex, it's a it's an exciting venture, um, and I'm excited to see what will happen. And you know, there's some stipulations on the homes; people can't buy them to rent. So you can't, unlike in a trailer park, you can't have ten of them. You can't own ten of them and rent them. Right. Right. You gotta you gotta be the primary person living there. Um you could probably rent it long term, but you can't rent it short term. So there's some stipulations put on it. It's you can't really call it affordable housing because there's no government subsidies that went into this. There's no there's there's nothing to make it any sort of like affordable housing. What it is, is it's attainable housing. Ooh, I like that term. That sounds great. So got to be feeling very excited about it. When are the homes going to be going up? When can people start to purchase? Well, that's a little bit up in the air, but we're hoping sometime between October, there's going to be more infrastructure going in, but definitely there's probably going to get a, there's probably going to be a list of people that are going to want to get into this development and they won't be able to get into their homes. So, you know, we'll start selling them before they're even on the ground, basically. Right. And, you know, the build season in Montana is basically end of March to end of November. So that's when we really have some time to put some houses on the ground. But right now we're working on it and we're working on the infrastructure. Well, Brenna, that's so exciting. You've got to feel incredible about this. I mean, local uh, local resident makes very good and really gives back to the community. You like to think of it as that way. There's always things that you're like, oh, I could have done it this way or I could have done it better this way. You're always self-critiquing, right? Like ski instructors. <laughs> um, but I do really, I am passionate about this. Um, I do, I want to try and get as many ski instructors into this as possible because, I, you know, anyone working in this community, they deserve a comfortable place to go home to and call it their home.
rather than constantly going back to bunk beds or community living or, you know, something like that where they're, they're just in these bunk bed style homes where they never really get to be, have that sense of ownership. Well, Brennan, anything you'd like to add in conclusion? No, I'm excited to see people out on the ski hill. But I'm still in summer, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brennan, it's wonderful chatting with you again. I hope we connect much, much sooner than uh, it's been since the last time we spoke, and I sure appreciate you taking the time to chat with us on First Chair. Yeah, thank you, George. Have a great evening. From the PSIA ASI Studios in Lakewood, Colorado, I'm George Thomas.